0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let's get into this matter around the calls to expedite the basic income grant. 11 million South Africans are without jobs right? These realities have propelled organizations such as an advocacy group, such as the Black Sash, to call on government to fast-track the implementation, to actually help those who've been left destitute by the lockdowns. Now, a proposal for a basic income grant was first brought forward about 20 years ago following the 2002 Taylor Committee report. We also saw Social Development Minister Lindy Zulu call for the implementation of the basic income grant in the National Assembly just over two weeks ago. So let's interrogate this matter now with Neil Coleman, who's a senior policy specialist at the Institute for Economic Justice. Neil, thank you so much for joining us on Power Lunch. A very good afternoon to you.
1: Um, Good afternoon, Faith.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the basic income grant. First of all, are you for it or against it? And what would this implementation look like for the country?
1: Now, Faith, the IEJ uh, uh, is strongly in support of the basic income grant. In fact, Uh, this policy has the broadest support of any policy in South Africa. You know, uh, the debate in Parliament that you referred to recently, every single political party supported it, trade unions supported it, civil society organizations supported it. Even the president has come out to say that he he supports it. So it's very broad-based support for it. And the IEJ um, has done research over the last six-plus months looking at how such a grant would be implemented. And I understand that your listeners have some concerns about the implications of that of that grant, but the uh, research that's been done internationally um, shows that uh, such a grant would not be welfarist in a narrow sense, uh, but it would actually be developmental in a number of res- respects. And mm. I can explain what those researches have found. Please go are. into, Neil. Yeah. So, so what those researchers have found based at the University of Oxford, but there's a number of other uh, researchers have, who've also looked at this in, in, in the global south in countries such as Brazil, is that by extending income to the poorest of the poor, uh, what you do is actually you actually empower them at an individual level to, for example, look for work because they now have access to some regular income which can allow them to uh, do the basics, which requires job-seeking, Transport, uh, you know, etc., etc. Yeah. It improves. It improves uh, nutrition of children and health in general. It improves school attendance. It also stops people from making bad decisions in terms of avoiding situations where they have to go to Mashonisa to 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 uh, to lend at very very high interest rates or selling their assets. It enables them to invest in their small businesses and agriculture and so on and so forth. So this is what the international experience shows. Also, you know, economists talk about something called uh, stimulus or the multiplier effects of certain investments. And what that means is that when you have a whole lot of people and and we're talking here, about many millions of South Africans suddenly having income that they didn't have before. What happens then is that they spend it in their local communities, which creates the stimulus effect. It gets the wheels of the economy turning in those communities because very often they spend on locally sold and produced goods and services. and um, So that's also good for local economic development. And this has been shown in countries as diverse as Kenya and Namibia and a number of other countries where basic income grant trials have been, have been implemented. And if you implement it at a national level, that will even have a greater impact in terms of uh, economic activity, people consuming goods and services which are produced by our uh, factories and uh, our own producers.
0: Neil, uh, how would you respond to the argument that that all sounds wonderful theoretically, but when you have to look at um, the other side of it or the adverse of it is that it could create a people who become you know, that where it's supposed to work towards improving their livelihoods so that they can become independent, it actually creates a citizenship where they then feel comfortable within the basic income grant uh, level, at the basic income grant level, that indeed it doesn't foster further economic activity and economic growth, but rather people who have got, you know, become then dependent for long term on the state. How then do you rebuttal on that argument?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a very common perception. And, and that uh, research that I spoke about, for example, you know, there's this idea that people spend it on alcohol and cigarettes, et cetera, et cetera. The research shows that, in fact, that is not the case. And I mean, it's very often woman-headed households who spend these grants, and they spend them very, very carefully. But I think the, the fundamental issue is that the biggest cause of dependency is poverty. You know, if you have nothing— you basically have to rely on others. It's not that you're relying on the state, but you're relying on family members, community members. You're begging and and trying to f- scrape through from yep. month to month. And what the recent surveys have shown, the Neds Cram survey, for example, which looked at what has happened to families over the COVID uh, lockdown period, is that people have gone deep and deep into poverty and, in fact, now are skipping meals. You know, children are not able to eat on a regular basis and so on and so forth. And that has a very, very devastating impact on development of families and households and communities. So that is the worst form of dependency. Um, so the, the the issue is really that the state and the society uh, has an obligation to uh, to uh, support and assist the most vulnerable in, in, in society. That's what uh, you know, states do throughout the world. Mm. The question, though, is that a, a universal basic income by itself is not a silver bullet. It's not going to put people into jobs. You know, if we look now at these 11 million unemployed that you are talking about, that the UBI by itself, even though it'll have some beneficial economic effect, as I outlined in terms of stimulating the economy and so on, by itself uh, well, is not sufficient. So you need other complementary policies. You know, industrial policies, macroeconomic policies, where you make the cost of money much more affordable, where you're lending and creating small businesses, where you're diversifying your economy into manufacturing um, and creating jobs in the labor intensive sectors. These all have to be part of a comprehensive package. So I would agree with those who say that a a basic income grant by itself cannot resolve these problems, but it can certainly make a major um, contribution towards a, a broader um, economic plan.
0: Neil Coleman, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Institute for Economic Justice Policy Specialists there. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.